Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the risen one, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Several years ago, I had uh, the privilege of knowing a lovely Buddhist uh, woman whose name was Quan Ju, uh, who some of you may also uh, remember, or at least recall me uh, talking about in the past, and who uh, came to my office with her husband unannounced uh, one Tuesday morning and told me that she wanted to be baptized. And uh, obviously, I was very happy about this because uh, Quan Ju had been attending St. Andrew for some time, and uh, uh, that's something that you always pray for. And so I said, well, you know, Quan Ju, this is wonderful. Uh, when would you like to be baptized? And uh, she looked at me kind of curiously, and she said, well, right now. <laughs> and I, I looked at her, and I said, uh, what do you mean right now? Uh, you know, after all, uh, it's Tuesday morning. I mean, you know. I'm a Lutheran pastor. I don't do right now. I wasn't even dressed right, but uh, she insisted. She prevailed, and she said, no, th- today is my day. This, this is my time. And uh, so, uh, try as I might, I wasn't able to convince her or give her a good reason why right now wasn't right now, and so I went out and told our uh, office manager, Karen Miller, that I was going over to the sanctuary to perform a baptism. And she looked at me and she said, what do you mean you're doing a baptism? It's Tuesday morning, and besides, you haven't even reserved the sanctuary. (laughs) Nevertheless, uh, off we went into the empty sanctuary where we lit some candles and got some water, and I baptized Quan Ju into her new life in Christ still recalling, you know, the tears of joy that mingled with the water dripping from her forehead in a room that seemed to be empty, but was filled with the presence of God. Well, I don't know uh, exactly what day of the week it was, uh, but the conversation that we find in today's passage from Acts chapter 10 took place somewhere between uh, five and ten years after the resurrection of Jesus. St. Peter has come home to the city of Jerusalem. After having spent some time out on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, first in the city of Joppa, which today is part of the uh, modern-day city of Tel Aviv, and then later, about 30 miles uh, further up the coast at a place called Caesarea, which those of you who are journeying to the Holy Land this fall will have a chance to visit. But the big story here is what happened at Joppa, and especially what happened at Caesarea, which turns out to be one of the most important and critical moments in the entire history of the Christian faith, seriously. And that's because what happened at Caesarea, which was a Roman military seaport town, and it was actually even named after the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, is that Peter went And there, he baptized the world's first Gentile, which is to say non-Jew, which rhymes with Quan-Jew, and was a Roman military centurion by the name of Cornelius. And what makes this a big story is that the baptism of Cornelius marks the moment when the Christian movement goes beyond Judaism. It crosses the line 
and it enters the rest of the entire world. Because remember that up to this point, Christianity, Christianity, though growing, was still primarily a messianic sect of Judaism. It is an offshoot of of Israel, and uh, it is something that has not yet uh, established its own identity as a religion. And so uh, the implication, therefore, is that if, if you wanted to be a Christian, if you wanted to be a follower of Jesus, you got there through Judaism, through its laws and its traditions and its restrictions, including restrictions from associating with Gentiles. And I know, you know, I've hammered on this uh, point many times before, but it explains why when we get to this passage in Acts chapter 11, when Peter gets back to Jerusalem, instead of being congratulated for finally, you know, taking it to the streets and uh, being the missionary of the month, Luke tells us that instead the circumcised believers, in other words, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, actually criticize Peter. And they say, in effect, what do you mean you're eating with Gentiles? What do you mean you baptized a Roman soldier? These guys are our enemies. And so here's Peter doing something that you would think is a good thing, and yet he's being called on the carpet for doing it. And this passage today from Acts 11 is Peter's response time. It is his time to explain why he, who was one of them, who was just as devout as they were, just as religious as they were in every respect, nevertheless violates the tradition, breaks the law, crosses the line for a guy who somehow thinks that you know, it's his day, it's his time to be baptized. But before I get to uh, Peter's response, uh, let me just pull this thing into the context of today and remind you that while he did get away with it, as you heard in the passage, that the issues that were on the table for the infant church with some variations on the theme are issues that still face the Christian church today and all of us as individual Christians as well. For example, there is the issue of inclusion and who gets in and who's kept out and what's required. And then there's the uh, issue of you know, how we respond to people who need Jesus like you and I need Jesus, but their road to him will not be the traditional path that maybe you and I took in our spiritual lives. And that raises the question of you know, where we are willing to go, how far we're willing to go, maybe even what lines we might be willing to cross for the sake of God's mission to the world. And so, and so does letting go of the past and doing something that's new or doing something that's different, a violation of the values that have always identified us as the people of God, or do the values that have always identified us as the people of God compel us to do things that are new and different for the sake of God's mission to this world? Are we moving further away from the truth? Or are we moving closer to the truth? Kind of like the old joke, you know? How many Lutherans does it take to change the light bulb? The answer is 10. One to change the light bulb, and nine to say that the old light bulb was better. <laughs> Doesn't really apply to you, but here, there it is. 
Okay, so now we get to the uh, explanation to Peter's response to the crowd in Jerusalem, which consists of him telling them the story of what happened to him when he was in Joppa and of a vision that he had when he was up on the roof of the house where he was staying, looking out over the Mediterranean Sea one afternoon, seeing the clouds in the sky, the sun shining down, the blue sky, the water below. And in this vision or trance or dream or whatever it was, he sees this massive sheet coming down from heaven. And on that sheet, he sees animals, like images of animals. And he hears a voice saying, Peter, get up and eat. So it's kind of like, you know, a giant-sized drive-in movie dinner menu. But Peter looks at the sheet and he says, I can't eat any of that. Why? Because these animals that he sees are unclean. They are forbidden according to the stipulations of the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. And remember, Peter, he's still a man of the law. He's still following the regulations, playing by the rules, even though he's a believer in Jesus. And so the voice speaks to him a second time, and this is what the voice says the second time. Peter, do not call something unclean that God has made clean. Do not call something unclean that God has made clean. Or what God has made clean, you should not call profane. Well, at that point, there's a knock on the door, and, uh, and here's this delegation from guess where? Caesarea, 30 miles up the coast. A place that is loaded with Gentiles. And they come to Peter, and they ask Peter to leave the house and go with them to Caesar town. Because that's where this guy Cornelius is, and he's searching for God, and he has uh, been told that Peter was down in Joppa town. And so Peter has this incredible question to ask himself. What do I do? Do I honor the faith that has defined me as a, as a person all my life and therefore say to these people, sorry, I don't do Gentiles? Or does he forsake the faith that has defined him all his life? And does he do something that might have been okay with Jesus, but would get him in some hot water with the church back in Jerusalem? What does he do? Well, I can't help but believe that the tipping point of that question had to have something to do with what he heard in the midst of his vision in Joppa. And with those words, do not call something unclean that God has made clean, which applies not only to animals on a dinner menu, but to people for whose freedom Jesus Christ offered up his whole life. And so on that basis, Peter sucks it up and he says, okay, let's do it. Let's go. Backs his bag and he heads 30 miles up to the coast to Caesar town. He meets Cornelius, the Roman centurion. He preaches the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. And Cornelius and his household are baptized. And in that moment, the mission of the Christian church has crossed the line 
and it's making its way into the rest of the entire world. In fact, there's this great verse, and it's back in Acts chapter 10, uh, actually, when Peter literally crosses the threshold, crosses the line, and enters into the home of Cornelius. And uh, Luke tells us that he addresses the crowd inside the house. And, and this is what he says. It's just an amazing passage. passage. Peter says to the crowd, you know that our law forbids us from associating with Gentiles and even from entering one's home. But God has showed me that I should not call unclean something that he has made clean. Amazing. And now I know that God accepts people of every nation through Jesus Christ who is the Lord of all. I mean, now he's in. I mean, he's in with both feet. And not only is he in, but I mean, he even stays at Cornelius' house for days. I mean, he sleeps under that guy's Gentile roof. Uh, He, if you'll pardon the expression, pigs out on his non-kosher food. Not because he sold out, but because he bought into Jesus. And the sufficiency of his grace and the freedom that he wins for you and for me, and for people of every nation and tongue. And so when Peter gets back to Jerusalem, and he's getting called on the carpet for what he did in Caesarea, as well as in Joppa, that's the story he tells, after which he ends with that powerful question, who am I to hinder God? Luke says there was a long silence in the room. And it was broken up finally by praise when they finally say, well then, it appears that God has given even to the Gentiles the the redemption that leads to eternal life. Beautiful story. Well, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but there have been a few times uh, in my journey when I've had to stop and ask the question about whether my responses to people in certain situations really reflected God's will for me, whether I needed to, to hold on to something that God wants me to hold on to in terms of uh, message or practice, or whether God was calling me to embrace something that, that was brand new in my life. And, And so I can recall a conversation I had years ago with a long-retired old Lutheran pastor at the time when uh, the church I was serving was getting ready to add a contemporary worship service, you know, with a praise band and a screen in the sanctuary and all this stuff that, you know, I didn't remotely consider when I entered into uh, the seminary. And uh, I I said to this long-retired, very elderly pastor, what do you think about all this? And he shook his head like this, and he said, oh, We had a lot of trouble, Mark, when we went from German to English. (laughs) (laughs) That's his contemporary service. Be careful. I remember uh, visiting a war-torn village uh, in Bosnia not long after the war there. And uh, through a number of circumstances, you know, this Lutheran pastor finds himself uh, given the chance to give a Christian blessing to a Muslim woman in the middle of Ramadan. Seemed a little strange, but it felt really good. 
And I also recall the day that I got back to church and I said, you know, I met this guy playing the Lord's Prayer on a saxophone on a fire escape landing at a wedding I did yesterday at the Arts Club of Washington. I think he might be good for us. What do you mean he might be good for us? But now we bless the day that God gave us our brother Greg, who has served us for the last 10 years. And so, you never know how the Lord is going to work in the midst of all of those things. And I, I, I'm not here to say to you or advocate some sort of a reckless, anything-goes kind of response to the mission of Jesus uh, Christ. I'm just saying that in this passage today, uh, we are reminded that there may be some times uh, where Jesus wants us to get out of the tradition and maybe cross the line. Maybe there are some traditions that aren't quite as holy as the people that he wants us to reach with his good news that might not otherwise find him on the road that you and I have traveled. Or, or maybe you just need to just turn the whole passage inside out just for a minute and just think about who broke tradition or crossed some sort of a line to get into your broken life, to talk to you, listen to you, give you a word of grace on behalf of the one who crossed the line between heaven and earth and broke down the barriers of culture and race and gender and even religion so that we could all be part of the amazing family of God. The remains of Quan Ju are resting in a local cemetery here in Silver Spring. And I don't remember what day of the week it was but I do remember standing there with her husband and a group of others reciting the promises of God through the words of the Apostle Paul. When we were baptized in Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. Because if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. May that be the big story for us and for those who we have yet to find and meet with the grace of the risen Christ. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.